We're going to be continuing to uh, preach from the book of Ephesians today. Last week I preached from 16 verses. Today I'm going to only preach from two. That doesn't mean it's going to be any shorter. It just means that we're going to have less Bible that we're going to be covering today. But Ephesians chapter 5, verse number 1, and you can turn in your Bible or on your device or look at the screen, says this, Therefore, be imitators of God as beloved children, and walk in love, just as Christ also loved you and gave himself up for us, an offering and a sacrifice to God as a fragrant aroma. Therefore, be imitators of God. And so today I'm going to preach just a little bit on the imitation mandate. The imitation mandate. God bless you. You may be seated. So thankful for all of our guests that are here today. Thank you once again for being with us. People only imitate things that are worth imitating. You never find an imitation of something that is uh, not of quality, that's not useful, that's not helpful. But you only find imitations of things that people think are of value. If you go to Chinatown, you, you find a lot of imitations, and, and that is no way a, a slight on Asian people or Chinese people, but if you go to Chinatown, you can find an imitation of just about any quality product that you want, whether it's a Rolex or it's a Dooney and Burke purse. Whatever it is you're looking for, there is an imitation there, but it's only an imitation because there is a product or something that people like already, and so they're looking for a cheaper version. They're looking for an a cheaper kind of idea. I, I don't know about you, I like to eat meat, and, and I eat way too much meat, and, and I should eat a lot more vegetables, but you never find an all-meat knockoff of cauliflower. I mean, cauliflower's okay, but nobody is making, man, I want to make a meat version of cauliflower. No, but you can find some kind of vegetable cauliflower version of some meat product out there. They imitate chicken because that's what people want to eat. And they, they imitate hot dogs as bad as they are for you because people want to do it. And you get you an all-vegan hot dogs. And I've never seen, though, vegan spam. I told you, John, I was going to bring up spam today. Now, I was raised... I was raised, we didn't have a lot of money growing up, and if we had Spam, I mean, it was like we were eating good. I mean, and, and I haven't had Spam in years, but back in the day, a little fried Spam and biscuit, I mean, that's, that was good stuff, but it'll kill you, and it'll kill you in a hurry. And I, In fact, I have family that probably died because they ate too much Spam or that other version called Treat or Vienna Sausage, but, but I've never seen people make vegan spam because it's just not that good it's not something why would you make an imitation of spam i mean it's something you eat occasionally i guess and if you and for me it's like i get these nostalgic kind of things where i grow where i, I have smells or different things from my childhood and i'm like man i want some of that and then i eat it and i'm like what was i thinking 
We would eat good, man. We'd eat high on the hog. We'd have round steak, which was actually beef bologna. And we'd a little fry that beef bologna on white bread with some blue plate mayonnaise. And if you haven't had blue plate, then you haven't really had mayonnaise. It's only in the South where I was raised. And, but I can't really imagine going out to buy me some bologna today and getting me some white bread and frying it up because I know it'll kill you. And I got enough things that I do that are going to kill me. I don't do that, but I, I've never seen vegan. Well, maybe the, I take that back. I have seen vegan bologna. But I still stick to I have never seen vegan spam. And if you know of some vegan spam somewhere, by all means, help yourself to that. But ultimately, it's really things that are, are good or are things that are worth something to people that they imitate. And our text says that we are to imitate God. God, of course, he, He's worth imitating. He's, he's the God of the universe. He's the creator of all things. He has all power. He has all knowledge. He, he's everywhere present at the same time. So why wouldn't you want to imitate Him? There are people that make their living as impersonators and they, they, they can make a lot of money by imitating or impersonating various individuals or or, or whether it's politicians or it's famous actors or it's singers, and they, they can make a living doing that. But, but I would tell you that of all the people that you and I should imitate or impersonate, as it were, that we should seek to be imitators of God. In fact, the Scripture tells us we have to, or we are to be imitators of God. So what does that look like? How is it possible for us as mere humans to imitate the God of the universe? What happens if we imitate Him? What happens if we don't? But the biggest question I would really ask, and I already said it, but it really how is it that we are supposed to do that? Our, our text gives us some insight into that. And I will admit, before I tell you the how, I want to tell you the why. But we are to imitate God because we are supposed to live different. Last week I preached to you that we are to live like Christ. That means we're not to live like the Gentiles. We're supposed to live different than the people in the world. We're not to live in a way that grieves the Holy Spirit of God. We're to, to live with God in mind. We're to live, in essence, like Jesus Christ in this world. And our text starts with the word, therefore. Because of those commands and those things that, that Paul has previously written at the end of Ephesians chapter 4, because of that, or in light of that, now imitate God. We're to live different. We're to live like Christ. That means imitating Him. Living in that way that is different than the rest of the world. Living in that way that makes Jesus happy. Living in the way that doesn't grieve the Holy Spirit of God. Imitate God because we are supposed to live differently. Let me ask a question at this point. How many of you are living different after coming to Jesus Christ than you were before coming to Him? Has anything changed in your life except maybe you show up on a Sunday morning? Is there anything that is different? Is there anything that is better? Is there anything that's holy? Is there anything that's righteous? Is there any real transformation that is taking place? 
And I hope the answer to those questions are, yes, I'm living different. I'm a different person than I was before I I knew Jesus Christ. I'm a different person because I have found him. I'm a different person because I'm following him. And I'm also a different person. That means I live different than the world. And I'm not going to rehash last week, but we are to be imitators of God because we're to live different. Therefore, be imitators. But the second thing, and this is really the ultimate piece of what I'm going to tell you about the how, and that is that we are to imitate God by the power of God. How can we imitate the God of the universe? He is so far beyond us. I mean, He's everywhere. Everywhere. He's here in this room, He's next door. He's at the church down the street. He's across the ocean. He's everywhere. The psalmist said this, There is nowhere that I can go. I cannot flee from His presence. For wherever I go, there He is. He said, even if I make my bed in hell, and what He really meant in Psalms is He's making His bed in the grave. He's died. Even in the grave, God is with me. He is there. There's nowhere I can go that I can't. I won't be in His presence. I won't find Him. So how can we imitate the God of the universe? At best, whatever we do would be a cheap imitation. Not every imitation out there is of the same quality. Not every knockoff of a Dooney and Burke purse is going to last the same length of time. Not every... Rolex knockoff is going to last. It may get, around, get you around the corner for some of them, and then it quits working, and, and ultimately you've gotten what you paid for. But not all imitations are equal. And at best, when we try to imitate the God of the universe, it's just a cheap imitation. We're bound by space and time, and we're bound in this human body, and how can we imitate the God of the universe? And And even if we could come close to trying to imitate Him, how can we overcome the pull of the world? How can we overcome our fallen nature? And We are supposed to be new creatures, but that old nature is constantly pulling at us. And as we walk through the world, the stain of sin gets on us, and everything around us is negative. You can't go to the store without seeing all kinds of immorality on, the, on, on display, not only in the people in person, but in magazines and a variety of things. You go through the checkout lines, and people's sinful, immoral lifestyles are everywhere around us. So how can we overcome that pull of the world? Paul in Romans said it this way. He said, O wretched man that I am, how to overcome the body of this death, that which I would do, I don't. And the things that I don't want to do, those are the things that I do. I'm trying to overcome the pull of the flesh. I'm trying to overcome the pull of sin. Anybody ready to get on the train to glory right now? But he said, I'm very unsuccessful at doing the things that are right and Not doing the things that are wrong. He says, I struggle. And if Paul struggles, how about you and I? How are we going to make it in this world? How are we going to imitate God when when Paul had his own struggles? So maybe 
we can learn enough. Some of, some of us may be in education that if, if I just have enough knowledge, if I know the Scripture well enough, if I know theology or the study of God well enough, then that's all I really need. If I have enough knowledge, then I can overcome the world and I can imitate God. Maybe it's for some of you, it's like, well, if I just have enough willpower, I can do it. I'm going to be, I'm going to be honest with you right now. If I had better willpower, I'd be 200 pounds instead of 225. I wouldn't have had those Oreos and ice cream last night. That even though I know it's bad for me, my willpower is not even enough to resist the chocolate ice cream in the freezer. So how can I have enough willpower that I can just resist all the things that God doesn't like and I can imitate Him and I'm going to be good? I'm going to tell you that willpower doesn't work. And if, and if most of you are honest, you do a lot of things all the time that you don't want to do when it comes to dieting or other things or whether you exercise or don't exercise. And so when it comes to your spiritual life, willpower is not enough. You can't just will your way to being everything that God wants you to be. You can only be what God wants you to be by allowing God to empower you to be that. There is a clue in the verb, and I, I, the verb be, and, and I, I chose the New American Standard over the New Living Translation. I, I use the New Living Translation a lot, but the New Living Translation takes the noun and the verb and puts them together and just says, imitate God. But it leaves out part of the nuance of the Greek language. And in that word, be, it is, and, and I don't want to be overly technical here, but it is what is called a present passive imperative. All of you know what an imperative is. That means it's a command. It's not an option. It's a command. So be, not if you want to, you can be. No, he says, be imitators. But it's a present tense verb, which means that it's something that you continue to be. It's, it's what's called a durative present, that wherever you are, whatever time you're in, that verb is present for you. Not be imitators of God at church. Not be imitators of God in your prayer time, but be imitators of God all the time. That in all, whatever the time frame is, always be imitators of God. But, but the helpful and the most important piece of this, I think, is this, is that it's also a passive verb. If it was an active verb, that would mean that it's something that I do. That I've got to just man up or woman up and be this. That I would be the one responsible to be able to imitate God. But it's a passive verb, which means that there is something outside of me that acts upon me, that helps me to be. That helps me to become what it is that God wants me to be. That helps me to imitate 
him. That it's not my power, but it's his power. It's not my ability, but it's His ability. And all I have to do is to allow God to work in me. I've used this illustration years ago. Little Johnny, he's in the backyard. Around six years old, and he's, he's he's playing ball, he's playing some baseball. Little Johnny, he's not the most athletic of children. Hand-eye coordination is not all that great. Doesn't have the strength to really, that if he actually does connect with the ball, he doesn't have the strength to really drive it very far. So dad, being the person that he is, comes over to little Johnny and he says, little Johnny, let, let me help you do this. And He wraps his arms around little Johnny. He's, standing, he's towering over him, and he's, he's holding the bat with little Johnny. Can y'all picture this? Am I painting a good enough picture? Should I have said little Johnny's got his Cardinal baseball shirt on or something like that? Of Kansas City, he's got his Royals jersey on. <laughs> or if he's me, have his... Royals jersey and his cardinal hat. He'd be fans of both. So little Johnny, he's in the backyard. He's got the bat. Dad's leaning over him, and Dad's got the bat. And he's, he's all right, little Johnny, when the ball comes, he said, we're going to hit this ball. We're going to get a home run. And the ball comes, and little Johnny and Dad connect with the ball. Man, you've never seen a ball go that far over the neighbor's fence. And little Johnny is like, look what I did. Got a home run. But the reality is, little Johnny couldn't have even hit the ball, much less drove it over the fence. It's only because dad was there and dad had his arms around him and and dad was helping to guide the bat and dad was helping with the timing and dad was the one putting the, the strength behind the ball. And the reality is, it says that is what God wants to do. He commands us, be imitators of God. But I can't do that. I can't can't be everything I'm supposed to be. I can't imitate the God of the universe, but he says, "I, I can so let me come alongside you and let me, let me wrap my arms around you and, and let me help you hit the ball. Let me help you live the Christian life like I want you to live. Let me help you live the Christian life in a way that doesn't grieve the Holy Spirit of God. Let me help you. But unfortunately, for most of us, instead of allowing God to do that, We're like little Johnny, and we're like, look what I did. And the next time little Johnny comes to bat, he's like, no, I got this. Dad's like, hey, let me help you. Let's do that again. No, no, Dad, I can do this. I got it all taken care of. I, I I can do it all by myself. And little Johnny becomes Casey at the bat and he can't even hit the ball 
And that's what we do with God. He's like, let me help you. Let me walk with you. Let me empower you. Let me strengthen you. And you're like, no, I can do this. I got this. And the reality is we got nothing. It is only by His power. We get that power and we get that help when we spend time in His Word, when we read His Word and we allow His Word to get into us. David said it this way. He said, Thy Word have I hid in my heart that I might not sin against you. That if I don't have your Word, I don't even know what it is you want me to do, much less have the ability to do it. But when I have your Word in my heart, when I'm hiding it in my heart, it just comes out. The Bible says, out of the abundance of the heart, the mouth speaks. And so if you don't put His Word in your heart, guess what? You're not going to have good things coming out. But when you study His Word and we spend time in His Word, He enables you to live the way that He wants you to live. When you spend time in His presence and when, you, when you're talking to Him on a daily basis and you get into the presence and the power of God, then He enables you to live like He wants you to live. It's only by His power that we can do what God wants. It's only by His power that we can be imitators of God. Let me hurry. Second reason is we are to imitate God because we are loved. He said it this way, therefore be imitators of God as beloved children. I don't know if you know this, you probably do, you probably live this. But children grow up and they imitate their parents. That whatever they saw their parents do and however they saw their parents live, they grow up and they imitate that. Sometimes, even if they don't want to, there are times when they will go and say, I, my parents did this, I will never do that. And then 20 or 30 years later, they're living just like them. That there's something about what you see and what you experience that you imitate. And Paul said, imitate God as beloved children. Imitate God as children who have seen and experienced God's love. That when you see God's love and when you experience His love, then you can imitate His love. But if you haven't experienced it, if you haven't seen it, if you haven't had it demonstrated in your life, guess what? You can't, you can't imitate what you don't know. But he says, as beloved children, children who have been loved by God, imitate Him in that way. You and I have been loved by God. If you've experienced His salvation, that was an example of His love. If you've even experienced Him drawing you into relationship with Him, and, and maybe you haven't fully experienced the new birth, but you're, you're feeling this drawing toward God and this, this desire to know Him and to love Him and to serve Him, that's an example of His love. We sang about it. He, we love Him because He first loved us. That in the middle of our sinful nature, our sinful ways, Jesus Christ died for us. 
And, and I'm jumping ahead to my next point, but we have that example of Jesus, therefore we have something that we can imitate. And, and Paul lays it out here, just as Christ also loved you and gave Himself up for us, an offering and a sacrifice to God as a fragrant aroma, because He did that, because we've experienced that, because we've seen that, then now we are to love like He loved. And that is the way in which we imitate Him. For God so loved the world that He gave His only begotten Son that whosoever believeth in Him should not perish but have everlasting life. Jesus only came because of the love of God. Jesus said this, Greater love has no man than this than a man lay down his life for his friends. It is the epitome of love. It is the ultimate example that someone would lay down their life for somebody else, so that they could live, so they could experience life. And Jesus was speaking prophetically of his death when he said that. He knew that he came just to die. But he said this, he says, you don't take my life, I lay it down. That voluntarily, he says, I'm going to the cross. I, I don't want to experience that separation from God. I don't want to experience that temporary pain and agony of the cross and that's why he prayed in the garden he said father if if it's your will let this cup pass from me but nevertheless not my will but thine and jesus christ went to the cross and endured the shame and the pain of the cross so that you and i could be saved and paul he concludes this this passage with this it was an offering and a sacrifice to god as a fragrant aroma that what he's envisioning here is that jesus death on the cross it had a purpose it had a plan it was paying the penalty for my sin and yours that every time i live in a way that's not pleasing to god guess what he paid for that on the cross that every time I do something that I shouldn't do. Jesus paid for that on the cross. He paid the penalty for sin. That the penalty of sin was paid by God to God. That He took our place. It's not that you and I have to die. It was a substitutionary atonement. But because He went to the cross, we don't have to. And those Old Testament sacrifice, sacrifices that, that God instituted, they would not, it wasn't just death. It wasn't just the killing of an animal. It was the placing of that animal on the fire and that flame. The Bible says that aroma would come up to God as a sweet-smelling savor because it was paying and pushing forward in the Old Testament just that penalty of sin. But Jesus, His death on the cross was like those Old Testament sacrifices except far greater that He suffered once and for all for the sins of mankind. We can imitate God because we have the example of Jesus who paid that ultimate sacrifice. And as they come to the music, there is a second command in this passage. It's at the beginning of verse 2. It says, and walk in love. Walk in love. 
And then he closes with that example of Jesus. So, so what does that mean? Well, once again, not to be overly technical, but the verb, it is not a present passive imperative, but it is a present active imperative. It's a command. It's a command that is to be lived out all the time, that in whatever place, or time you find yourself in, you're to live that way. But this one, it's an active verb. That means it's not just about God empowering you, and He will if you allow Him to, but now when He empowers you, you have to walk it out. You have to live it out. That you have to do something. And he says, walk in love. It's not an occasional thing such as, well, every afternoon or every evening or every morning I, I go for a walk. No, walk is an all-time thing. It is the outgrowth of allowing God to empower us. He gives us the strength. But now we have to walk in that strength. He gives us the ability but now we have to utilize that ability and we have to walk in His love. The word walk here, it's not like I'm strolling around taking a walk. It's, it's used throughout the New Testament and the epistles almost exclusively where it's talking about this behavior, this lifestyle. It is in essence living or behaving in a manner consistent with what Jesus would do. Living in a manner consistent with love. So, the questions that you would ask in whatever scenario you find yourself, what would love do? Or maybe the more popular WWJD, what would Jesus do and when you know the answer to that question then you live that way I don't agree with this what would love do how would love say that I should respond to that person I disagree with how would love say I should interact with my neighbor? How would love say that I should interact with my co-worker who's undermining me with the boss at work? Or what would love say? What would Jesus do? That's how we're supposed to, to live. That's ultimately how we imitate God. It's not just anything. It's not just everything. But in this particular context, we imitate Him by walking in love. Sounds pretty easy, doesn't it? The reality is it's frequently very difficult. And maybe it's very difficult for most of us because... 
we're not spending that time in his word and we're not spending that time in his presence with his spirit allowing him to work in us let's stand together love others whether they deserve it or not that's what we're called to do I read a story from World War II let me read it for you and I I may paraphrase it a little bit but Ernest Gordon he was a commander in the Scottish infantry and he was taken prisoner by the Japanese in World War II and in this particular prison camp they were in the jungle they were building these prisoners were building the bridge over the river Kwai there's stories about that and movies about that And he was part of that prison camp that was supposed to build that and starvation, beatings, disease dawn to dust, slavery said were hallmarks of this death camp He said the Scottish and British soldiers who were normally very composed and had a lot of good cheer and a lot of self-discipline, he said they were slowly influenced by death's destructive grip. Morale broke down, and as morale broke down, their concern for their fellow man broke down as well. First time in the history of Cross Church that two trains have come through preaching. He said, over time, nothing mattered except to survive. And they began to live by the law of the jungle, survival of the fittest, and look out for yourself. And if you needed more food, you just took it from the person next to you if they couldn't defend themselves. And frequently people were killed and trampled underfoot, and the sick were ignored or resented. He said all morality was gone. He said, but then slowly something began to change. He said a few officers began to pool their meager resources and they sent food to those who were sick and those who were in danger of dying. Instead of looking out for themselves, they became selfless and they helped their fellow soldiers. And Gordon himself became gravely ill and two fellow soldiers came every day and they washed his wounds and they helped him and they nursed him back to health. He said, but the supreme example of a different way of living came to climax one horrifying night. He said, they had all were gathered together and the Japanese soldiers had counted all of the instruments and one of the soldiers said that someone has stolen a shovel and he began to yell and scream. And the assumption was that a shovel was going to be used to try to escape, to dig under the wire, dig under the wall. And and he said, the soldier said, we're going to shoot everybody if nobody confesses to stealing the shovel. He said, slowly from the back of the crowd, one man stepped forward and he said, I did it. I stole the shovel. The soldier in his rage and fury began to beat him with the end of his gun, ultimately bashing in his skull and ending his life. Shortly 
after that, they did a recount and all of the shovels were present. Nobody had actually stolen the shovel. But this soldier saying, I can die or we can all die. Said, I'll take that penalty. I'll die so the rest of you can live. And while I'm not suggesting that you have to die for someone to show how much you love them, you don't have to die and put your life on the line, at least not in the culture and the time in which we're living. But you do need to love others whether they deserve it or not. Love others when you disagree with them. Love others when they do you wrong. Love others enough to tell them about Jesus. Love others enough to tell them that Jesus Christ loves them and He died so that they wouldn't have to, so that they could have eternal life with Him forever. Would you lift your hands where you are and would you begin to ask God to to just help you to recognize His love to recognize that He loved you so much that He gave Himself for you that you could have life and would you get a fresh appreciation for that? Would you ask Him to do that? And then would you ask Him to help you to demonstrate that love to others, that you would be imitators of God? Jesus, we want to follow You. God, we want to fulfill the mandate to imitate what You have done. We want to live out our love and walk out our love in every day and in every way. Lord, I pray that you help us to be the salt and light. That when those we disagree with, when they get in our face or when they say things that hurt, Lord, that we would not respond in kind, but we would respond with love. That we wouldn't diminish those around us who have different political views Lord, but that we would love them as you love them. That we would see them with eyes of love. Would you begin to continue to pray that right now? Jesus, we love you. Jesus, we praise you. God, we want to be everything you've called us to be. Yes, Lord. Yes, Lord. And I'm going to invite you today, if you would, as they get ready to sing, would you just remain socially distant? But Would you step out from where you are? Maybe to the front and everybody just step up a row or whatever. Would you do that as a sign of faith and decision to live how he wants you to live? One that's worthy to be Make me in your image Make me more like you. Make me in your image. Wash me white as snow. Purify this heart of mine. But I'm giving you control. Let me be a vessel. The one who's worthy to. Make me in your image, make me more like you, make me in your image.
wash me white as snow, purify this heart of mine. I'm giving you control. Let me be a vessel, one who's worthy to be used. Make me in your image, make me more like may have picked up that the primary emphasis of this, this passage is the love of God that leads to salvation through the death of Jesus Christ. And Jesus said he came to seek and to save that which was lost. And if we are to ultimately imitate God, that means that our goal, that our purpose, our mission is to seek and to save the lost. It's that simple. It's that difficult. But when you fully understand what he did for you, then nobody's off limits, no rejection, nobody slamming the door in your face, nobody saying, I don't want to hear anymore about that Jesus, that, that none of that really matters. Because if we love them, they need to know what we know. They need to know that Jesus is the only way. They need to know that he took the penalty for their sin. And I know most of you today have already experienced that, but if you're here today and you've, you've never given your life to Jesus Christ, You've never made the decision to follow Him. And that's not just an abstract term of following Him, but that means that you're, you're following Him in His death, burial, and resurrection. You're following Him in repentance or dying to yourself and turning from your sin to turning to what He wants you to do. That if you've never followed Him in His burial, which is baptism in the name of Jesus, you've never followed him in his resurrection which is that infilling of the Holy Spirit evidence and speaking in other tongues it's what he wants for you it's what he wants for you today that's what he wants for you for all time that when you are born again when you experience that new birth when you experience that resurrection then it paves the way for you to have an eternity with Jesus Christ you haven't made that decision today there's no better time to do it than today today is the day of salvation father i thank you for your word and for your love i thank you for your spirit that empowers us i thank you lord that we don't have to walk this life alone 
but we have your strength and your power to help us, to enable us to be imitators of you. God, we have your word that is a lamp to our feet. It is a light into our path. We have your word that tells us how you want us to live and how you want us to walk. We have your spirit that empowers us, that gives us the strength and the fortitude and the desire to live for you. Lord, help us to be imitators of your love and of what you have done in us everywhere that we go. We thank you and we give you praise. In Jesus' name, and everybody said amen. God bless you. Thank you so much for being with us today. If you haven't filled out a digital guest card now that service is over, uh, we'd love for you to do that. Text the word guest to 888-238-2134. Let us know that you're here. God bless you. Let's go in Jesus.